Today's word comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. In the beginning was word, and the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is word of God. You know, I, I never knew there was this thing called uh, Pastor Appreciation Day. And, uh, you know, our sister Tiffany, I'm sure she's not busy. She has all the time in the world to do stuff like this, right? Anyway, I'm, I'm super appreciative to Tiffany and to you. Um, Young is not just saying nice words. Um, we really do appreciate and love you. And uh, we're really grateful for the privilege to serve you and to serve God um, by shepherding this church together. So thank you for this day, all right? We're in part four of our series um, on creation, and today's message is called The Gift of Days. I've got like all this technology, I'm not used to it yet. Let's get right into it, okay? So part one, what is a day? That's a strange question, isn't it? What is a day? And I started the series by asking you a very other strange question, what is the beginning? Today, I want to ask you this question, what's a day, right? Part two, the meaning of a day. <laughs> you ever think about this? Every single day, the sun comes up, and you live your life. But what is the meaning of a day, right? And part three, the hope of no more night. Hmm. What's that possibly? The hope of no more night. That's the way we're going to close our message today. All right? So let's get into it. Part one, what is a day? And I want to start by um, saying something to you which is completely obvious, but rarely does anybody think about it. Okay? You don't think about it in your daily life. And strangely, people don't think about this when they read this passage. I never really thought about it. Most of the times when they read Genesis chapter 1 and this, you know, this, this teaching from the Bible about how God made all things, they don't think about this. And usually just zip right through these verses and, you know, you, got, you can see I'm taking my time. <laughs> we haven't even gotten past verse 5 yet and we're in our fourth message. But here's the point I want to make, which is God doesn't need days. You ever think about that? In the life of God, 
He doesn't need any days. <laughs> because God is eternal. God doesn't sleep. God doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't go, okay, gosh, I'm tired. <laughs> it's a good thing the sun's going down because I need to go to sleep. And then tomorrow I'll get up again when the sun goes up and we'll get at it again. You know who thinks like that? We do. God never thinks that. God doesn't have to think that. And before there was anything, there was God, and God has utterly eternal life. He doesn't need days. So the first thing I want to say here as we get into this thing, it's this very seemingly simple passage. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Actually, let me go back. Verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So we take all these things for granted, but the first thing I want you to see is that in creation, light, light had to be created. God had to say it. And I already said this to me last week, there are no stars yet. <laughs> so where is this light coming from? Hmm? Just think about that for a minute. Where is this light coming from? And yet, then he said, let there be light. And then he said, there's something good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Verse 5, God called the light day. <laughs> and the darkness he called night. That's really interesting. Uh, people just call, the, we have like, you, the word day is kind of used in two different ways there. He called the light day. When, there's, when the sun comes up, it's light, and we'll call that day. But the darkness, it was just dark, and then he actually called it a name, which is night. Now, just think about that. It's dark, and now he calls it a name, which is night. Okay, it's like weird. Okay, Pastor, that seems really obvious what you're saying. It's not that obvious. If you are on another planet and it's just dark all the time, would you call it night? Let's say you lived, that you're in heaven, of a planet that um, is just dark all the time. You're on this planet, and it never turns, and there's no sunlight. Because, God, you know what? There's lots of planets like that. And what if you were on that? You wouldn't have any concept of this thing called night. Because there's no concept of a thing called day. You trying to follow me here? God has to order the world so that beings that need a night and a day can have life. You hearing me? He doesn't need it. We need it. That's the first thing I really want to get across here. And then it says there, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. That's what it says in verse 5. Now, I'll just back up a little bit. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And it says, there was evening and there was morning. This is, um, this is the way Hebrew poetry works. A lot of Hebrew poetic language says the same thing twice. It'll say one sentence, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then it'll say basically the same thing, but it'll say it a little bit differently. So here's the second thing. It says, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, I want to say a little something about this. Um, we, we forget because we're moderns. 
I don't know if you realize this, but the light bulb has not been around a long time. You know that? <laughs> this thing that we call light bulb, you know, artificial light, it was invented by Thomas Alva Edison. And the, and the, and the discovery of electricity, that wasn't around much longer um, previous than that. So for most of human history, you know what, what, what it was like? If you want things to be light, you have to wait for the morning. <laughs> and when the sun goes down, you know what? The day's over. So human beings, you can have light, but you would have to have a candle. Or you would have to have some kind of like gas or something like this to have light at night. And probably you need to have money. Because if you can't afford whatever gas that is to keep that thing burning, you'd have no light. And if you fell asleep, you fell asleep and you let that thing on, it was a fire hazard. You could die. And actually, there's lots and lots of cases in history where you know, a candle was knocked over, a lantern was knocked over, and pretty much the whole city went up in flames. And so that is the norm of human history. And so that's... This, when, you, when you read this thing, I want you to think about this, that the vast majority of human beings that ever read this passage, they were like, yeah, the day happens when there's light. And if there isn't light, we don't have a life. So this makes a lot of sense to a lot of people in history, but to us, it actually it just seems strange because, because we have this modern technology, we think we can control the day. And there is a certain amount of control that we have that other people in history and poor folks have not had. But I want you to just read and hear this in its normal native context. Okay? Now, here's the next thing I want to say. In the Hebrew, it says, you know, this is the way the, the English Standard Version translators, they said this. There was evening and there was morning the first day. And... Um, I don't generally like doing this, but I've been doing this a lot. That isn't exactly what it says in the Hebrew. <laughs> in the Hebrew, it actually says something like this. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. That's the way it says it. And there was evening, and there was morning, a day. What's the difference? Here's the point I want to make. Now, I don't think the English Standard version translators are wrong, they're making a choice. And in the context, we're going to get to second day, third day, fourth day, and we haven't gotten there yet. I will touch on that when we get to those passages, okay? But, so in the context, it makes sense that you might want to say first day. But I'm a person that likes to stick <laughs> to the Hebrew or the Greek as tightly as possible. And in the Hebrew, it says one day. And I want you to think about this. There's not yet been a day. There's never been a day. So when it says there was evening and there was morning one day, you know what God is doing? He's inventing the day. He's inventing the day. There is no such thing till he says so. And I want you to think about this. If there isn't a day, how will you and I live? Hmm? How will you and I live? 
We're not eternal beings. And if there isn't a light which separates from the morning, from the evening, how will we live? We are beings made dependent on a creator who made light. We are dependent on a creator who made time. We are dependent on a creator to have days. And if we don't have days, we don't live. Now, why am I saying this? These things are incredibly obvious. And when I was a young man, um, and this was, America was a more Christianized culture, and everybody believed in God and had respect for the Bible, you didn't have to say this. Everybody understood that we were created by God, and all the good things were created by God, and if we don't have God, we have nothing. <laughs> People just kind of intuitively sensed that the good things of the world was from God. But today, I told you, we live in, we live like moles last week. Moles are like the creatures that live underground and it's dark all the time. They have no idea there's this thing called light. So moles don't know that there's an evening and a morning, a day, one day. But you and I were made for the day. And God gave us this gift, but we're living in mole lane today. <laughs> Because we don't believe there's this thing called creation. But, and so I want to just say, if you are here today, or you are listening online, you know, and you never thought about this, human beings are fragile. And we need a universe. We need light. We need oxygen. And if these things get out of whack, then we will die. And we need a space and a time to live out our life, and the Bible calls that a day. See? There was evening, there was morning, a day. And here's the first thing I want to say to start this message. You know what a day is? I said, what is a day? It is something that we need to live, but starting here, I want to say it this way. It's a gift. That's what a day is. It's a gift from God so we can have life from God. It's a gift from God so that we can have life from God. Each day is a day to receive the light, which he said is good, the light which he made for us, <laughs> so we can have his goodness today. That's what a day is. If you, are you following me? Now I want to make one more point before I go to part two. A day is a gift of how we can have life. And here's the next point I want to make. You don't get that many of them. Today, because we live in America, because we have modern science, because we have hospitals, because we have a, you know, a food industry, because we have uh, ways to control disease, etc., etc. Because we live in the most powerful nation in the world and other nations just can't attack us and kill us, okay, etc., we have long lifespan, or at least relatively long lifespan. But what I want you to see is maybe it's not as long as you think. And maybe you should think a little bit more about what makes up life. Life is made up of a day and then a day and then a day, right? Until you don't get any more. 
So let's start with this one. How many days are there in a year? Because that's the, that's the next, you know, that's a big chunk of them. We go, oh, a year's a long time. We know that that is 365. We there? Great. 365. That's a lot of days, right? No. You guys know it's not a lot of days. A year is over really quickly. Um, a thousand days. That's a lot of days, right? Kids, is that a lot of days? A thousand days. Oh my goodness, a thousand days is a lot of days. You know how many years is a thousand days? It's this. It's 2.74. <laughs> I did the math. That's not a long time, right? 2.74. Um, how many days is it before a child goes to school? Hmm? How many days is it? Do you know? I'll give it to you. Here it is. It's 1,825. Some of you moms out there going like that 1,825th day can't come fast enough. <laughs> That's probably what you're thinking. But let me just caution you. After they go off to school, you will miss day 1,300. You will miss one day 1,600. You will long for that day when they were, what they were like, on day 800. Five years is a pretty important benchmark, right? Your child goes off to school. And that's one more place where the child doesn't need mom or dad. And you maybe you remember that day. It's not a lot of days, right? Let's go to the next one. How many days are there in a decade? Well, you know, some of you are good at math. 3650. It's actually not exactly 3650. It's just a few more because there's this thing called leap year, right? But let's just say 3650. Um, how many decades do you get? How many of these 3650s do you get? If you live a long time, maybe you get eight. If you're really lucky, you'll get nine or ten. But that's about it. I'm already into the fifth, <laughs> all right? I already feel it. Life is really short. <laughs> Every Tuesday morning, we pastors get together to have a prayer, prayer meeting. We lift up many of you in our prayer times. And when I think about the week before, I, go, I can barely remember the days because they're going by so fast. Seven days, it's just, it just seems like a blur. And we go, duk, 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 and then next thing you know, the decade has passed. That's what it's like. How many days is it till your child leaves? Well, theoretically, he or she will leave. 18 years is about 6,600 6, days. My daughter's 17 years old. She's my baby girl. <laughs> I remember the day she was born like it was yesterday. So it's like 6,600 getting really close. <laughs> it came real fast. It came really fast, right? Um, my wife and I, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. Say yay. <laughs> yay. 
It seems like a really long time. My mom and dad gave us this especially nice gift. They're, it's your silver wedding anniversary. You made it 25 years. Not a lot of people make it 25 years. We were like, and you know, and some of you know, it was shaky in there sometimes. You know, there were times when it didn't look like we might make it, right? Um, we made it 25 years, but you know how many days it is if we say it in number of days? 9,125. Babe, we've been together 9,100 and more now. It went by really fast, right? I'll give you one more. My mom, so it gets really personal if you start thinking about it. Some of you are really young. You're in your teens, you're in your 20s, and you're like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Those of you who are getting into your 40s, you're like, oh, crap, I know what he's talking about. Because <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You get to your 40s, your body doesn't work quite as well. You don't remember things. You're like, oh, man, what is that? Why is this hair falling out? <laughs> and your hair's starting to go gray. And you just don't want to get out of bed because you're like, I used to be able to just stay up, go play basketball next year, just do stuff. You're like, oh, do anything today. My mom just turned 80. She's healthy. She actually looks great for someone who's 80, right? But you know what? How many days 80 years is? 29,200. Oh, that's a lot. Now, let me tell you something else. Do you know what the life expectancy in America is today? It's less than 80. That's not exactly right. If you're white, it's less than 80. White women, I think it's about 79 years. And white men, it's about 76 years. White men don't get 29,200, at least not usually. And by the way, I want to say something to you. This is what it's like in Moland in America. That number is going down in white America. You heard this thing called deaths of despair? White Americans are dying. <laughs> the number is going down. So my mom is already, like she's ahead of like all the white people in America. Actually, the numbers for Asians are the highest, okay? If you're an Asian in America, I think in California, the life expectancy of a woman is about 88 years. So she's got a little bit longer to go. The life expectancy of a man is 83 years. And when I read that, I was going, that's really interesting. Because you know how old my dad is? 83. So every birthday, I start thinking about this. How many days do I still have my dad? Not too many, right? Not too many. So here's the first point I want to get. The days are a gift. You should think about that. And don't waste them. <laughs> right? Let's go to part two. Oh, actually, I didn't show this to you. Okay, let's just help you to see this. Here's what one day old looks like. Okay? That's my daughter, Laura on her first birthday, 
right? And here's what 562 looks like, days look like. So I know this because I took that picture on the day she was born. So I did the math. He's 562 days. So that sounds like a lot of days, right? 562? That's what you look like at 562. Okay, some of you are a little cuter. Some of you are not as cute. He's pretty cute. Okay? My, my wife misses the way he looks. She's like, oh, what happened? He's not, okay? But anyway, so these are hundreds of days. And they seem like a long time ago, but they're not to me. I remember this day like it was yesterday. Okay, let's go to part two. The meaning of a day. And I want to take you through a little bit of a lengthy quote. It's not by anybody famous. And um, so this is by Sam Miller. And you don't know who he is, and you don't need to know who he is. He is like a, some kind of baseball writer. Okay? And this is from some podcast episode where they're talking about the baseball playoffs. Now, most of you aren't interested in baseball, which is really sad, okay? <laughs> because it's like the most glorious game ever invented, and America doesn't care about it anymore, and it's October right now. The most important baseball games are happening right now, okay? And yet, so they're not they're, so, but then the commentary about the baseball playoffs, this is what he said about the baseball playoffs. And when I read this, I was going, oh, man. <laughs> Here's what he said. The point of this entire enterprise, that is the playoffs, is to entertain us with baseball games. All right? The point of it is not to decide who is the best team. Now, just time out here. I'm a baseball fan. You know what I want out of the playoffs? I want to know who the best team is. So when somebody tells me, what? It's, the point is not to, I was like, then what the heck are we playing these games for? <laughs> I was like, I thought the Warriors are the best team. That's why we called them the champion. <laughs> so if they're not the best team, why are we giving them a trophy? <laughs> he goes on. The illusion that that is what we're doing has long been a powerful draw to sports. But it's ultimately not the point. That was really interesting. There is no scenario where the universe will care or remember who the best team was out of this collection of collections. Out of this collection of collections of games. That's what he means. It only matters in as much as we create this illusion that it matters. Now, just stop for a moment. What he just said is not just true of baseball. You go to your company, we have all magazine articles. Who is the best tech company in the world? Who is the best at, you just name it. Who, where's the best place to work? What is the best college? What is the best place to live? All these kinds of things. And you know what we want? We kind of want to know, because we want to go to the good places. We're like, OK, I can't afford the best, but What's number five on the list? <laughs> Get me there. That's, that's, that, that's the highest I can afford. And we care about things like that, right? You know, I live in Cupertino, and it has the highest test scores in the whole state of California, the public schools there. So people think it's the best 
I, by the way, don't, don't, don't crumble it. It's not the best. Okay? I don't think it's the best. So people care about this all the time. But he says this strange thing. There is no scenario where the universe will care or remember who the best team was out of this collection of collections. Let me say this to you. There is no scenario where the universe will care or remember who won that award at your company, who made the most money last year, right? Who was the number one school in the U.S. News and World Report? Who won the Super Bowl? So it only matters. You know why we think it matters? Because we create an illusion that it matters. That's what he says. He goes on. If you lose even the illusion, then it becomes problematic. <laughs> but the point is not to have the illusion. The point this is what he thinks is the point. The point is to entertain people and make them forget that we are all dying right in front of each other. <laughs> that this is just a horrible, rotten slog to rigor mortis. That's what he thinks. <laughs> That's what he thinks life is. That we are going to lose everybody we know, that we are going to lose everything we have, and the only way to distract ourselves is by separating our day into distractions. That's what he thinks. So God separates the night from the day, he gives you light, and then he says, That's good. Sam Miller goes, We just need to have some days. And we got to separate some of them to have some distractions so we could forget that we're just on a slow slog to rigor mortis. That's what he says. And you know one of those things I want to say to you? This is life in mole land. <laughs> if you got no God who says, I just gave you a gift, called day and I'm going to give you light go see the goodness go see my goodness and what happens today all that matters is we just got to forget that we are worm meat but today without God without goodness from God without light from God you know what a day is this is the words of mole land and so let me just give you the mole again, just one more time. <laughs> I, like I said, it's a strange combination of cute and creepy. But this isn't who we are, are we? Do we live in the darkness? I have a question to ask you. What is the importance of a day from the Bible? from God. And what I want to say to you is this. In the morning, because we live in California, by the way, because if you live somewhere else, it might hit 6 a.m. and nothing happens. It's still dark. There's places in the world it's 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. and it's still dark. But since we live in California, the sun comes up and there's light and it's good. But here's one of the things I want to say. 
God gives that goodness to everybody. But if you live in mole land, there are a lot of people in the world of their mind, in the world inside of their mind and of their heart, there is no day. <laughs> the alarm clock goes off, and in their heart, it's still night. Bright shining outside, but inside, it's mole land. It's dark. God gave us other kinds of light, not just physical light. He gave us things like this, purpose. He gave us mercy. He gave us grace. We talked about this in membership class this morning. You know what grace is? It's love that you never have to earn. You don't have to make yourself worthy of it. He just loves you because he loves you. And he goes, because I love you, let me give you day. But in mole land, in a lot of people, there's a day, but there's no day in the heart. There's a night. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you are still there. There are a lot of people today, the day starts, and in their heart, it's night. So they don't want to get up. There are kids today, the day starts, and they have these thoughts. The sociologists call it suicidal ideation. That's what it's like in mole land. Hey, one of the smart people, Sam Miller, he's very smart, by the way. Very, very smart. I can tell he's got good education, he's got good vocabulary. He just says, it's just a slow slog rigor mortis. There's no God. And are we surprised that the kids when they wake up one day, nobody likes them. They don't think they have any skills. They don't think they're valued by anybody. And they start thinking, maybe I should die. See? The day has begun, but in their heart, it's still night. <laughs> and so, one of the things I want to say here is, God gives the gift of a day. <laughs> and I'm not talking about 24 hours. And I'm not even talking about the sun going up. I'm talking about when he says, into your life, your life, let there be light <laughs> from me. And it'll be good. That's the meaning of a day. When God gave you life, he wanted to put a day in his goodness to you. <laughs> That's what he wanted to do. Right? Now let me just talk about this very briefly before I get to the close. There's two types of light of day. I'm talking about the light of day that goes into our heart. One is the goodness of light from God. He gives to everybody and anybody. You don't have to be saved. You don't have to know Jesus. Right? You don't have to know Jesus you wake up, 
and Steph Curry scores 43 points, and we're going to win the championships, okay? That's a good day because there's this thing called glory. And, you know, I just hate this idea that sports is just a big waste of time because God gave us bodies. God gave us competition, and, and there, then he gave us the Superman called Steph Curry. <laughs> and watching him, man, it's good. <laughs> it's good. I like spending my time doing that. That's a piece of light. Right? It's not just a distraction. I see a gift. It's a creative gift from God. And you know what? Not everything has to be work. Not everything has to be achievement. You know what God does? He gives you a gift of play. How do you like that? Play. Right? And there are other gifts that you don't have to be saved to receive. Um, I'll give you an example. I gave you that picture of a that 562-day-old kid, there was a day, a little bit before that day, when he used to crawl around, and we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, he got up. And it, look, he started doing this. And my wife and I got really excited. <laughs> we're like, whoa, <laughs> he got up. What was that? I have no idea what made him do that. But there was light. And he said, hey, I can get up. Let's try it. That was a really wonderful day. There was a day when there was a gal, and she said, let's have lunch. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't a date. We were just trying to be friends. And um, that lunch date with a friend I ended up hanging out with her for eight hours. <laughs> and I was so stupid, I still didn't know that I was going to marry her. <laughs> that was a good day. Right? Took a few months before I realized I should marry her. <laughs> you have a lunch with a girl, and it's so fun that you could just talk to her for eight hours. You should marry her. <laughs> what do you think about it? And you don't have to be safe to get that. God gives you light. That day was not night. That day was lit. <laughs> that was a great lit day. Okay? And in my soul, that was a joyful day. Let me give you a second one, though. God lights up, and this is more important. God creates. He's creator. We're talking about creator. But we know the world has kind of turned into mole land. And human beings are filled with sin. And we're cynical. And we don't even, light, light from God. I mean, does he even exist? <laughs> and God gives good gifts to all these people who don't even like him, don't even think he exists. That's how good he is. Right? But to some, he gives you gifts as redeemer. God put on his hat, I'll be creator. Let there be light. Oh, but these guys wrecked it. What did they do? They're wrecking it with sin. Well, let me give them the goodness of creation back. I'll go into creation and be their redeemer. And every now and then, when we're lost in the dark, 
he lights up our mind through Christ and the Holy Spirit. And a day that was night starts to turn into day. And those days are the most important days of your life. And those days are why you were born. <laughs> so God could love you and turn on the light. In membership class today, we all talked about how we came to Jesus. I love, love, love hearing those days because that's the day when God turned on the light. I'll tell you just very briefly about one a day that I remember. It's where God turned on the light. And I won't go into the story, but many of you know it. My wife and I were in marital counseling, and I was wrecking the marriage. The marital counselor said, Susong, the Holy Spirit is working in you, and the Holy Spirit is working in your wife. And you know what happened? I said, the Holy Spirit's working in grace. That's right. <laughs> So that means God is going to bless her and grow her. I forgot. I was trying to fix her because I'm a good pastor and I know everything. So I'm going to fix my wife. And when I was trying to fix my wife, she hated it. <laughs> Wives, do you want to be fixed by your husband? Husband, if you're doing that to your wife, do not do that. And wives, if you're trying to do that to your husband, do not do that. But when a marital counselor said, the Holy Spirit is working on my wife, the light went on. <laughs> and our marriage was saved. So I could tell you, we got 25 years. And that was from God through Jesus. I want to close my message, the hope of no more night. The hope of no more night. And um, I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to take you to a passage in the Bible which gives you a promise which is relevant to this question of night and day. Okay? So let me tell you the story first. Um, I have a friend from our church in Philadelphia where Grace and I went to when I was working on my PhD in systematic theology, uh, a beloved church, New Life Presbyterian Church of Glenside, and I became friends with this guy. I'm 99.9% .9 sure he would just say, tell the story, but I didn't ask his permission, so I'm going to call his name Robert. That's not his name, right? I'll just give you a description of Robert. Robert's about maybe 15 years older than me. Right? He's white. He came from working class background, and, um, and we have like nothing in common, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I am a bookish intellectual, highly opinionated, and he likes to work with his hands and go fishing. <laughs> he came from a poor, broken background, and I came from, you know, a background that which pushed me into upper middle class, you know, like circles of education. But we just clicked. And Robert, I became friends with him because he taught the four-year-old Sunday school class. My son was in that class. 
And this wonderful man was so great at loving the boys. <laughs> he liked to take them fishing and share with them the love of Jesus. That's what he was like. And one day I was hanging out with him, and he told me, I said, hey, Robert, how'd you come to know Jesus? And he goes, oh, this is long. And kind of had a little bit of a, a twang because he was from Texas. Right? And he went, told me this story. And it goes something like this. Um, my father was what you would call a high-functioning alcoholic. It's crazy. The man drank all the time. <laughs> he woke up in the morning and drank. And then he went to work. <laughs> he was pretty much drunk the whole time he was at work. And then he would come home, and he'd drink some more. And sometimes he was a really angry drunk. And that was his way of saying, sometimes it was scary. He had an older brother. His older brother was clean as a whistle, never drank, super disciplined. Sometimes the oldest children in alcoholic families, they're like that. Dad isn't responsible. So they try to take his place. But sometimes addiction also runs in the family. And Robert, he got the addiction gene. He was prone to addiction. Except his addiction wasn't alcohol. He liked marijuana. <laughs> he spent a lot of his teenage years, because I don't really remember my teenage years. I was mostly stoned. Right. And um, they're from Texas. And the time he grew up in Texas, guess what? If you're a good Texan, you go to church. <laughs> so this guy went to church every single Sunday. <laughs> his parents took him to this Baptist church every single Sunday. Except his father was still a total drunk. Right? And he was doing dope all the time as a teenager, even though on Sunday he was at church. This is what it's like. And so he was a young man. I think he was in his early 20s. And as you can imagine, a guy who likes to get stoned is not really going anywhere in life, right? And he wasn't really making much of his life. But they had moved, and a couple of interesting things occurred. One was his father got brain cancer. Really interesting. And because he got brain cancer, Something interesting started happening in his brain chemistry, and he stopped drinking, and he became sober. And they found a new church. It's a Presbyterian church where they preach the gospel. And his father, for once, started paying attention in church. I'm pretty sure his father heard the gospel lots of times in that Baptist church. It's just, but it was night. See? The preacher was speaking the gospel, but in the soul it was night. But in the brain cancer, and he's sober, he heard it, and his father got saved. And he said, wow, it was weird. My father got nice. <laughs> it was, he became a very different person, and it was really strange. And so then he tried to be a father. And he started telling me to go to church and urging me to go to church. 
And so I was like, okay, whatever. Okay, so he started going to church. Not because he actually wanted to go to church. He did it to get his dad off his back, and he met a girl that was pretty. <laughs> so he went to church for a girl. But he was sitting in service one day, and the pastor started to say, we're over here, and God is over here. And in between is a gigantic gulf. There's a gigantic gulf that we cannot cross from here to here, and this is sin. And Jesus, who is God himself, the creator, came, became a man, and he died on the cross like this to pay for our sins so that he would bridge this gulf. And if you would believe in Jesus, holy by grace, you'll be forgiven, and God will accept you. And Robert told me, I've been in church so many days. And when the pastor put his arms up like this, the light went on. <laughs> That's how Robert got saved. He's a young man in his 20s. And for much of his life, it was night. But on that day, the light came on. And Jesus came to do this for you and for me. Not all the days are equal. You know that. <laughs> right? There are all these days Hudson did stuff. I don't remember those days. But the day he got up and like wobbled around, I remember that day. That was a great day. You know? God wants to turn on the light when you as a child will get up and see that Jesus is your Savior, and there never needs to be no more night. That's why Jesus came. He died on the cross so the light would come on in your soul, and it will be good to forgive your sins, and he would like to make it day forever. So let me close with this passage. This is how the Bible ends. This is toward the end of the Bible. And this is speaking as an answer back. In John chapter 1, it says, In him, that is Jesus, is life, was life. And in his life was the light of men, and the darkness cannot overcome it. I, I preached that to you last week. And I want to give you this verse to close today. Revelation chapter 21 Verse 22. This is, this is the Apostle John, and he saw a vision of what everything's going to be like, what everything is renewed. Here's what he said. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. And listen to this. For the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light, the nations will walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. When God said, let there be light, 
He was already planning this for you and for me. Chapter 22. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. That will be in the whole city. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp, light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they, that is all the people who are saved, they will reign forever and ever. That journey started with Robert on that day. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, if you believe in Jesus, we know you sometimes wake up and you're like, it feels like night. <laughs> my job's in trouble. My wife doesn't like me. I don't even know if I like me. But if you know Jesus, this is coming for you. There will never, ever, ever be a night. This is your hope. This is yours. And it can never, ever be taken from you. For Jesus is your light. And today can be day. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know who's listening today. If there's anybody who's listening today and in their soul or in their heart, it's night. I pray that they could hear that you can turn on the light. You are the light, Lord Jesus. We walk through life and today we live in such a dark place that we don't even know the difference between darkness and light. But I pray that today the gospel will be heard and mourning would happen in the hearts of everybody who heard. Maybe as a Christian who already knows you, but the days have been dark. And I pray that you would grace them with your light. And if it is someone like Robert, who all their life it has been dark, we pray that today will be the first day of a life and their life never has to be dark ever again. May they receive you, Lord Jesus. May they ask you, please forgive me and receive me. And may you love on them forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.